Hello and welcome, I'm Peter White. Today's show is a nostalgia fest as we head back to the 80s and 90s with The Crystal Maze and Blind Date. We speak to the teams behind both entertainment shows and ask why now is the right time to bring them back. That's all coming up on Talking TV from Broadcast. We head to the Crystal Maze to find out what's going on with Channel 4's latest entertainment bet. Produced by Banerjee Indie Fizz, the Crystal Maze, which originally debuted in 1990, returns this month with Richard Ayoade as the Richard O'Brien character. Joining me at Maple Street Studios is Fizz Creative Director Neil Simpson and Channel 4's Head of Live and Events Tom Beck. Hello, chaps. Hello. Hello. How are we both? Very well. Yeah, very well. It's a glorious day outside and we're here talking about a brilliant uh, television programme. Absolutely. So what could be better? So starting off, I guess, let's go back to the start. How did the full series come about? You obviously did the stand-up for Cancer special, but what was the sort of process in terms of turning it into a, a full series? I mean, obviously the stand-up show was a massive success. I mean, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant, which is the first and most important thing. But then, thankfully, lots of people watched it and lots of people enjoyed it. So we started talking quite quickly after that about whether we wanted to do a series and, and what shape a series might take. We quite quickly came to the conclusion that the guys had a really interesting idea to how to make it, you know, a sort of modern, present tense version of the Crystal Maze, and, and things went quite quickly from there. Because it's one thing to do a, a special, but it's another thing to, to have a show that, that can live on yeah. in, in, a, in a longer run. It really is, and I think particularly with heritage brands, it's, you know, you have to think very carefully about when and why and how you bring them back, and, and the one-off obviously had a brilliant purpose as well as being a brilliant show. It's really clear why we were doing it. And I think you have to think very carefully about why you do these things. We quite quickly came to the conclusion that it could be really good. Obviously, it rated quite well, but I yep. think everyone was expecting it just to be old people like you and I that, that had watched yep. it first time around. But actually, it, it, it picked up quite a lot of young viewers. It did, yeah. And that was a, something of a key factor when we were thinking about whether to do a full run. We were, Yeah, we were very surprised. The number of young people coming to it, people who weren't even born when it was last on, was, was really, you know, really pleasing. And then from your point of view, Neil, uh, you'd produced the special. What did you have to go through then to, in terms of trying to think of what you can do for a full series? The important thing for us with the special was to pay homage to the original. So what was critically important for us was having Richard O'Brien in the first five minutes of that special in that cameo to send a clear message out to all the kind of fans of the show that we loved it as much as they do and that we wanted to look after it. And then having Stephen Merchant do it in the way that he did was so respectful, again, to the shows that had gone before. I think when you start looking at a series and, and moving it forward nostalgia only takes you so far so people will come to something once because they remember it of old but I think for a series it really felt that we had to kind of move it forward the show was last on 21 years ago and times moved on the audiences are different three minutes for a game has to work harder than it did back then but also if we creatively just copy what's gone before it just looks lazy it feels flat and there were areas where we could really kind of move it forward and talk to a young audience as well because what was so important about everything that we learned from the original series was this was a show for young people you know the 10 uh, year olds to 20 year olds that came to the original show were the, the heartland audience they're now in their 30s but we needed to make a show that 10 year olds are going to come to and love as much as we did the first time around. Talk about some of the format points because you've created, I think, is it 60, 60 new challenges? We've got this incredible games team that was led by Anna Kidd and she turned up on our first day and she cut these timelines of every game that had ever featured in the first six series wow. by zone and then by game type. 
And the first thing she said was, we're not going to do a single game that anyone's seen before. There are things like the wet log, which you have to feature, but every single game is new. There are touch points and there's the sort of spirit of the games. And we talked to Malcolm Hayworth and David G. Croft and Richard O'Brien about how they came up with the original games to inform what we did. But we ended up with 41 games that feature in the series and not a single one is a direct lift from any of the 277 that have gone before because they've got to work in a different way. Give us an idea of some of the, the new challenges. I hear Planet Walk is a, is a favourite. Our Planet Walk's a sort of slapstick joy which played out in all kinds of different ways. One way which I hope will end up becoming a YouTube sensation you enter a room, it's in the futuristic zone, and you have to swing on these giant planets from one to the other. Um, but the planets also spin round. <laughs> if you're not in good shape, it's quite an exhausting game. And there's uh, one guy who makes very heavy weather of it in the most incredible way. One journalist who's been on it described it as changing the rules of science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go along with that. <laughs> Let's talk about the contestants, because in the original series, the contestants didn't know each other. I think they met the night before. But you're actually bringing back groups of people. You're bringing back people that, that know each other and, and some, some quite interesting uh, interesting groups. Because this show was made, you know, 26 years ago, what, technology's moved on. We're able to record the shows in a different way. So when they made the original series, the teams of six would meet the night before over dinner. And that's the first time they'd met each other before they'd go into the shows. And then they'd record an episode over a day and a half. Because they had limited cameras and cameras were so big, you know, you didn't have steady cam, you didn't have hot heads you could stick in corners of rooms. They'd shoot the show over a day and then they'd go back on the second day and kind of cheat all the cutaways of every game with the team sort of playing the game over, over and over again from different angles. So an area that we felt we could really take things forward, and again, it's an example of how TV's moved forward, we care a lot more about people and we want to buy into a narrative across an hour if we're going to stay with the show now. So one of the things we did was drop it down from six to five. So there's fewer people to get your head around and that they had to audition as a team. So we wanted people who came together they knew each other, they got a backstory. We had over 30,000 people apply to be on the series. And we had these incredible teams. So we've got like this ACDC tribute band from Newcastle <laughs> called Black Ice, who are amazing. And they're like family as well. So we let them wear their sort of ACDC performance hats in the zone. With these midwives from Yorkshire, these utterly hapless RAF cadets, brimming with confidence who uh, were hilarious. And then we've got, you know, families who fall out with each other halfway through the show, husband and wife, where the wife leaves a guy locked in for the majority of the episode. <laughs> Unnecessarily. But, but because of that, the teams really come to the fore in the, in the episodes and you, you buy into them a lot more. You care about their journey. And a deaf team, I gather. Before we did the series, we talked with Tom about, you know, obviously there is a, a need now for broadcasters and, and indies to care a lot more about representing diversity. And so one of the things we talked about was building the, the Crystal Dome itself and the whole maze to make sure that we could represent disability as well as just other forms of diversity. So the dome itself is wheelchair accessible, which was a Fantastic. feat of engineering to make sure that we could do that. Then we opened out and did a lot of outreach to try and make sure that the message was out that the maze was open for everybody. 
And we just had this team come forward of lads, five lads who met at boarding school when they were 12 years old. And they were just so much fun. And it wasn't that patronising box ticking exercise. This is a group of lads who we just really fell in love with. And I was very resistant to having all male teams on the series because you want to have that kind of mix of sex and you want to have that mix of ages. So they were one of the few teams of guys where you just felt they've come here. They were like, so much fun, so much energy, so likeable. And they've all got cochlear implants so they can speak and they can hear each other. And we adapted the games to make sure that we could accommodate their hearing disability and it's a really fun show it's a lovely show and Richard which is a really beautiful gesture signs them in at the top of the show to welcome them in and it's a really lovely moment that really sums up Channel 4's diversity I mean you know first and foremost the teams and all the contestants cast because they're brilliant and and as Neil says there was an enormous amount of interest and loads of people wanted to be on the show and that meant that you know we had an incredibly rich range of people to choose from and I think um, you get something absolutely different in in every episode one of the real joys of the program i think is is no two teams are the same you filmed in bottle yard in bristol i gather you just finished finished all the episodes what were some of the challenges of of creating that one of the big things that we talked about with tom after the special so when we did the special that was filmed on the live experience which is a sort of converted office space in london you know, if we were going to bring the, the maze back, we wanted it, We want to do it even bigger. The thing is, the original was 30,000 square foot, which kind of limits your studio capacity. And we talked to James Dillon, who was the mastermind who created the original maze. So early doors, we had him come in and meet with us and he was insistent that no one else would be allowed to make to design the maze uh, but him and of course we weren't going to argue so it was then trying to find a space that could accommodate us building such a large maze we ended up building a maze that's like thirty-two thousand square foot roughly and it's not just about the maze itself you've then got to be able to accommodate moving jibs around you had a technocrane to try and get the top shots for some of the game rooms and of course we've We've got 41 games that we're switching in and out. So we needed to have giant workshop spaces that were on site that we could then be adapting games and switching game rooms overnight. We needed the facilities to be able to deliver this show. And Bottle Lodge Studios was a fantastic space that set up for major films and big TV dramas. So it had the size that we had that we needed, but it also had, crucially, the facilities to do the work around it. Yeah. You've got Richard Ayoade as a host. He's obviously a familiar face on Channel 4, mm-hmm. but generally not on shows like this. What made you choose no. him? No, well, I mean, he was Richard was always always sort of our first choice when we talked about doing a series. Neil uh, approached him almost immediately. And he said, yes, he was interested in talking about it. I get many surprising phone calls, but when I got the one saying um, Richard wants to chat, I was really surprised because it, you're, you're absolutely right. You wouldn't expect to see him fronting this type of show. He obviously saw something fairly joyful in it and he is absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's sort of, I sort of explain it. It's a little bit like finding a new Doctor Who, I think, finding a new Maze Master. There are a series of sort of constituent parts that um, you know they are going to deliver and, and, and toolkit to play with, but everyone has their own unique take on it. And Richard just immediately felt at home. But his performance is it's extraordinary, I think. But obviously very different to Richard O'Brien. Yeah, completely different to Richard O'Brien, which I think was really important. He spent a, a really long time thinking about you know how he was going to approach his role as Maze Master, I suppose. The amount of sort of attention and love that's gone into his performance is, is extraordinary. And you've got Jessica Hines and also Adam Buxton's head in a, in a jar. Is that right? Yeah, so kind of an example of some of the agonising self-doubt and turmoil that we went through when we were kind of debating every aspect of it was that thing of what 
feels like we have to keep it, what feels like we're going to be pilloried if we don't have this in the show and then what areas feel like you know we've got to move stuff forward so a big thing that we got overly obsessed with was you know mumsy was this much loved cameo and i was talking to richard o'brien about it and originally she was just a generic fortune teller idea that the production team had come up with and he was just mucking around and he came up with all this stuff and came up with this backstory, called her Mumsy, and then she sort of ran with it for a few series and then left with him on the back of a motorbike at the end of season four, which was his sort of like parting gift to the maze. Then you sort of go, well, if you buy into this world and the mystery of it, she left off the back of, <laughs> on the back of a motorbike with Richard. And we did that kind of nod to her in the Stand Up to Cancer special. But if we're going to move this show forward, we've got to bring our own characters. And also Richard Iwadi's got to have ownership of the maze and the kind of people that you see in it. So we wanted to keep the spirit of Mumsy alive, but doing a different way. So we just came up with this idea of a head in a jar in the future zone who can move bottles of liquid with his mind. And of course, when you start talking about that to form this crystal, you then go, who's mad and crazy and fun? Yeah. And um, Richard was saying, you know, Adam Buxton would be amazing and he is hilarious he's really funny no no it's absolutely got adam's uh, adam's name on it hasn't it and you're launching with with some celebrity specials we is are that right yep. how many of those are you are you doing to start with well we filmed five celebrity specials in total and we're, we're starting with some of them and then we've got a christmas special which is is coming up so we're going to put out four of the celebrity versions first and then the uh, regular normal people that's a terrible phrase um the regular contestant shows will be um we on later in the year will it stay in the same slot I can't say at the moment. Given that Goggle Sprogs ends yep. after the uh, celebrity specials, it seems. So yeah, yep. um, wait and see. Okay, no, no, fair enough. And Neil, in, in terms of going forward, you, uh, you mentioned there that the show now in 2017 has a whole different life online. And have you set these things up so perhaps some of this can go viral? You're looking at, at some of the digital stuff, you know, certain bits can be shared on YouTube and Facebook and, and that side of things. Have you, have you thought about the digital elements? There are people who have been brought in to look at all of this. I'm not the right person to talk to about it because I'm very thin-skinned and overly emotionally attached to this. So whenever I see comments underneath any of the articles, like there was like on the night when the special went out, there's some UKIP MP complaining that we'd given away too much money to stand up to cancer. And my wife's having to take my phone off me because like, the red mist comes down. So I try... I, People try and keep me away from social media, but apparently we are going to be doing a lot of very interesting stuff. So there's like, for example, there's a jarhead eight ball, like mystery eight ball thing where we've got Adam recording all of these like mad yes or no messages. So there's lots of fun stuff that we can do. And the shows by their nature, because there's these little three minute games and moments are very like lend themselves well to being clippable and the planet walk thing. My God, wait, wait till you see it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Is it right that you're able to sell the, the show or the format or the format you guys have created uh, internationally for the first time? Yes. So you'll be able to take this out and, and hopefully get local versions in other markets? If it rates, yes. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And what else is coming up at Channel 4? This is obviously one of many things that you're looking at in this space, I imagine. It is, uh, yes, it is. In fact, we um, next week's a big week because we've got um, Crystal Maze on Friday at 9 and another show that I'm, I've commissioned called Host the Week which is a Tiger Aspect entertainment show, starts on Thursday at nine. And it's um, a real sort of slice of fun, I think. It's kind, I would describe it as Saturday Night Live meets Murder and Successful. And we have a different guest host each week who is led through a studio entertainment show 
by a troupe of comedians, comic performers, but they know literally nothing about what's going to happen. So the first time they um, step on stage is when the show starts. No rehearsal, no script. And we're starting with Scarlett Moffat is doing it next week, right. which we're very excited about. And the, the run-throughs that we've done in the rehearsals, we formed a pilot with them a couple of months ago, and it was it was a, a genuine joy, so I'm very excited about that. That's a strange pitch, I imagine, to receive. Yes, it was. I mean, it, it, quite often we get... It's a big studio entertainment show with a guest host, but actually the sort of improvised nature of this is what made it really stand out. It's a joy to watch. It's also interesting. It's a joy to take part in. And the, the various people who've, who've done it for us in run-throughs have all come away saying that is the best thing I've ever done. So hopefully that will translate on screen. What are you saying to producers about bringing you ideas? What sorts of things or what sort of areas are, are you currently looking at? I mean, we're, we're open for sort of all sorts of business, really. I mean, I think what's what's really interesting and exciting is you look at... Uh, host a week on Thursday, Crystal Maze on Friday. You know, they are two huge entertainment plays. They're both very broad, accessible shows. I think that's a real statement, I think. You know, they're ambitious, they're funny. And also they are... Tr- people try very hard to make things Channel 4 or think, what what's Channel 4 about that or what's the purpose of it? We're saying, just come to us with a good, funny idea and let's talk about it. We are open to, to doing stuff that is just exciting. I mean, it's a really boring thing to say, but exciting funny ideas i imagine since you commissioned the crystal maze you've had all sorts of uh, classic formats repitched to you have you uh have you yes. had any interest in those i uh, hear pat sharp is uh, is bringing back fun yes house. i heard uh, yes i'd heard that that's that's not one of mine i mean look the st- <laughs> i mean i've been dangerous sort of sounding like the commissioner for for heritage brands with crystal maze and and, and we are also doing prices right with alan, alan which, car, which i'm yeah. looking looking after which we announced last week supermarket um, sweep i mean that's the dream for me I think you have to be incredibly careful when you bring these shows back to make them feel modern and, and present tense. They've done a Fizz and, and Neil have done a brilliant job with Crystal Maze. We did it with TFI, with the TFI revival. But I don't think we are, I wouldn't be dusting off all your old brands to bring them back because they need to feel really special. We just want fun, exciting shows. New ideas for Tom, yep. uh, listeners. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, we're looking forward to, to seeing the full series. Uh, that was Fizz's Neil Simpson and Channel 4's Tom Beck. And the Crystal Maze launches on Friday, the 23rd of June. Before we travel back in time, a quick scan of the pages of broadcast this week. We were up at the Sheffield Documentary Festival where the talk of the town was the entry of the likes of Apple and Facebook into the documentary world, as well as a focus on specialist factual and docudramas. We also take a look under the bonnet of ITV as a number of producers have claimed that the ad downturn is starting to bite into programming budgets. You can read more on that as well as other stories in this week's broadcast or online at broadcastnow.co.uk. Next up, we aim to find true love with classic dating format Blind Date. Paul O'Grady replaces his friend Scylla Black in the show, which is produced by So Television and Stellify Media for Channel 5. Joining us in the studio to share his dating tips is Channel 5 commissioning editor Sean Doyle. Hello, Sean. Hiya. How are you? I'm good. Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, wonderful. So before we join Sean, uh, let's have a word with R. Graham. It's back. My God, look at that. It's massive. <laughs> What animal would I be getting if I picked you? I just hope you're not a dog. <laughs> Who's your ideal man? Quite clearly, I'm very desperate. Blind Date is back with Paul O'Grady. Starts Saturday the 17th of June on Channel 5. So, Sean, tell us why you decided to bring back Blind Date. It's quite a simple reason, really, if I'm being totally honest. It certainly wasn't on my radar or the channel's radar. We've got a very small commissioning team and we all tend to work in the factual space. And then I got a text from Matthew Worthy of Stellify, who I'm a friend of, actually. We're, we're, we're good mates. And the text read, I'm going to suggest a programme idea to you. 
you're going to suggest it to Ben and you're both going to say no. Then you're both going to think, actually, that's a bit of genius. Let's do it. And I said, what's the idea then? And he said, blind date. And I said, well, you're really high. And he said, uh, I might be. Uh, no, he didn't. He said, uh, he said, look, I've got the rights to blind date. Do you fancy it? And I wrote back going, I, I fancy it if I can call it blind date because I know the boys had tried to make it in Ireland. There's some complicated issues around the the ownership of the format, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So then Matthew came in for a meeting and he said, look, we do own the rights. It is complicated, as you say. But if we do, if we buddy up with ITV Studios or an ITV Studios company, we can call it Blind Date and we can all get along. So they worked up a proper little treatment and taster and they took it to me and then I took it to Ben and Ben said yes. And how similar... Was the taster to the original? Was it Was it very... It's completely different. It was almost like some abstract student art submission <laughs> that they put together that actually worked and it put a smile on everyone's face. It was a bit like everybody sort of said, why not? Was Paul but, O'Grady involved at this point? No, and neither was So Television. So Matthew pitched it with Karen at Stellify. I took it to Ben. Ben said, yes, uh, subject should all be ironed out. Then So Television came on board. And that, to me, felt kind of perfect fit, actually, because I'd never met Graham Stewart they're such a young, new company, fresh company, that it was their sort of enthusiasm married with Graham's experience yeah. that made me feel kind of comfortable in it. And then we all sort of got along. And then when Paul Grady came on board, that was like the, the missing piece to the jigsaw. We wanted to do it, but Graham Stewart said a very good phrase. He said, this is prime real estate. You can't mess this up. And that was in, in relation to the actual show. But then it got me thinking, well, we can't mess up who the host is. Choosing the host is incredibly important, given Scylla's, uh was the show, really, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, and it's, it's like everybody has an opinion on it, which is brilliant uh, that everybody wants to tell you who they think should present Blind Date. So <laughs> it was an interesting time, and this is no word of a lie. I went for a cup of tea with a lady called Miranda, who used to be a producer at Endemol when I was a researcher, and uh, we're still friendly, and we went for a cup of tea, and she said, Paul O'Grady would be great at that show. And I was like, yeah, he would actually. And I walked back in. As I walked in, Ben said to me, this is no word of a lie. Ben said, come to my office. Oh, Paul Grady. And I went, it's like the stars have aligned. Yeah. It was Ben that put the call to Paul Grady. And I heard him on the phone to Paul's agent. And it was fantastic. He was just, he's the guy that we want to do it. Because there was lots of rumours before that it was going to be someone young, one of the sort of... Uh, yeah, there, I mean, there was lots X of... Rum- on the beach crowd or Geordie yeah, Shore I mean, style people. I think there was lots of rumours about it. And there still are rumours about it, <laughs> to be totally honest. Which is, again... Points back to the, the, the point I made about it being prime real estate. The Paul O'Grady thing was Ben said we should get him, and Ben, you know, it's all Ben on that. Ben went out and got him, and he has been, he is a very, very, very funny man. It's, it's, it really is. I mean, you're in stitches. I mean, half the things are a bit too blue to show, you know. You probably could get away with them. Very but risque. It, yeah, a wee bit, you know. And uh, But he just, he has the audience eating out of the palm of his hand. He's a proper professional, you know, and he, he just carries it. And he's carrying the weight of, you know, a big weight that comes with it. And he just glides through it. So talk about the format. How are you sort of doing it in 2017? Is it very similar to the original or is there new new elements to the show? Yeah, well, that, that was one thing. I mean, if, if you whenever I started like looking on Twitter, everyone was going, they're going to mess this up. They're going to mess this up. Well, every, you shouldn't bring this show back. So we thought, well, if we're going to bring it back. We're going to bring it back as people remembered to a certain degree. So, I mean, the format is so nailed on that you can't really to a certain degree mess with the format. Three people come on somebody's behind the other side of the wall, they ask three questions, they get three answers, they pick who it is, they go off on a date together, they come back to the stay together, do they not? It's really quite simple, and I don't really know what else you could put into it. You do little things, it just spice the interest up, and it keep the audience interested, and just make it feel slightly different, and, and, and you just treat it like, you know, we're taking this great format, 
but we just put modern day people into it, making it feel watchable for a modern day audience. And some of those contestants, you've got you've got LGBT contestants yeah. as you would expect in 2017, but obviously you didn't have back in the day. Exactly, you, you, you couldn't have said any better than that. I couldn't have said any better than you just said that. That's exactly it. You know, it's it's 2017. Yeah. The holiday slightly different. I gather you were you're not all going to the same resort as, well, uh, as before. Yeah, I mean that's. I, mean, I have watched so many old episodes of Blind Date. Not all of the dates were in the Seychelles or on the Caribbean. I think this is sort of... Everybody remembers that all the dates were on, on sun, sea and sand. They were A lot of them were, and we have a lot of those, obviously, because that's what everybody knows. But it was the ones where they're doing a sort of... Where they're going to South End on sea, or they're going to Blackpool, or when they're doing a bungee jump, or a hot air balloon somewhere a bit rubbish, you know. There was a brilliant one where they had to go work at a and b It was just a lot funnier than watching two normal people walking down a beach being slightly produced so we just made the decision to try some new things that's not it feels new because you don't really remember it let's talk about the tone of the show because i I gather you want to sort of keep it more classic rather than perhaps some of the extreme nature of uh, of dating formats uh, that are on the telly at the moment yeah i think there are some extreme dating formats on tv at the moment and and blind date is is the opposite of that it would have been very easy for us to being a bit more extravagant with some of the casting or put people in there for pure shock factor. And it's great credit to Emma Shearer, who's the casting producer, and Shane Byrne, who's the series producer of the programme, because I was quite demanding. I didn't want anybody who'd been on television before. No reality stars. Yeah, exactly. Because the audience would smell a rat, and so the audience are so savvy now, and they can spot these people who are on Cast Me, and you know everybody knows who they are now as a viewer, and you've seen them prop up a few times. So uh, we were quite strict, and I imagine that this casting producer, Emma, was pulling her hair out when they would send brilliant people through, and I would always write back going, but have they been on telly before? There's one person who was on television before, but she was on a, a quiz show. She's not the sort of person that you think would crop up on television all the time. She was definitely worthwhile casting. So that was one thing that you wanted to do to, to give that tone of kind of wholesomeness. I mean, a lot of people we've cast are boys and girls next door, which I think is a good thing, which is what Blind Date did do. And there's a few people in there to spice it up a bit, you know, but we haven't gone down the route that I think most people thought we would have done. I mean, people are just so used to that. They're the sort of people that go on dating shows, and that's not a bad thing. That ties in with the slot, is in it? It's in a 7pm slot on a Saturday night. So you want that younger audience, you want that family audience. Family audience, yeah. People who, like me, grew up watching it as a child, and I've got kids of my own, and I, th- I could sit down with my eldest daughter and, and watch it happily. I think it's the sort of thing that all ages could come to watch, because everybody kind of knows it to a certain degree. Being on pre-Watershed, you do need to have a certain tone. I think we've, we've achieved that, but it's not certainly not diluted and not watered down. It's big laughs every part from Paul. It's been 14 years since the original. What do you think uh, Channel 5's younger viewers will think about or even know about the show? Technically, up until last November, I was a younger viewer. <laughs> and then I went out of the 16 to 34-year-old category. So I don't know what that demo think anymore. It's people that are their age on it. What I would say, actually, is... I sit in the green room at the end of the records and have a chat to the contributors. And I was chatting to a boy from York and he was 21. And it was very interesting. He said, this is great. I would never have met somebody like this. I would usually, like the whole thing that Paul talks about, it's swiping right and swiping left. But I'm actually getting to, as well as he can do, I'm getting to speak to these people. I'd find out something different. And he chose the person who he wouldn't normally pick, is what he said, because he really got off on their personality. So I think they'll find that it's something they could imagine themselves doing, because it is very different. And what they all say to me, and I don't have Tinder, because I've been married too long, but what I would say is they all talk about exhausting their Tinder radius. Is that a thing? 
You're, you're talking to someone similar to you, Sean. Uh, okay, right. Well, well, they say that like there's a 20 mile radius that you can use. They all set the show. They've all exhausted their radius. <laughs> they've exhausted the radius, and now they end up. So on, now they end up uh, on blind the show. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're, we're the last hope. <laughs> <laughs> for that generation. And you've ordered 13 episodes, including a Christmas special. Uh, mm-hmm. t- talk about the production process. You sound like you're halfway through, is that right? Yeah, we're slightly more than halfway through, actually. There's 13 episodes, one of which is a Christmas special. The first six of those have been delivered. So we shoot them in blocks and we shoot two episodes a day. But you shoot half of it. So if you can imagine how the programme works, you've got to do the studio picking bit, three people behind the wall and one choosing. So we record that. Then, of course, once they find out where they're going on holiday they've got to then go on holiday get that vt cut and then come back to the studio so it's a there's different elements of how you record it so they go off and go on their holiday and then they come back and we play in the vt about two weeks later play in the vt and they react to the vt and we see if they're going to stay together so we've got six of those and that's a fully show done and what i would say is you know graham stewart's team they have been running that production yeah, how has the production process worked between So TV and Stellify? Have they worked together or they worked on certain bits of the show? Stellify brought it to me, Kieran and Matthew, and then they buddied up with So Television. But So Television are doing the day-to-day producing of the programme. Graham is overseeing it all alongside Kieran and Matthew, uh, and they're working in a sort of exec capacity. Shane Byrne is a series producer running a tight ship and, and, and dealing with my he stays totally unflappable <laughs> while I ask for the, the stars and the moon and it's a big swing for Channel 5 on a Saturday night you're up against The Voice Kids you're up against BBC One's new show Pitch Battle yeah. that's a, a place that Channel 5 hasn't necessarily been in over the last few years with, with entertainment it was a bit like when we decided to say yes to Blind Date we said we just went after we analysed it and we critiqued it and we looked at it and then we just sort of look at each other and go, why not? And that's a bit like the Saturday thing. You know, let, let's let's see how that does for us. I mean, if we can't do slightly better on a Saturday with Blind Date, I don't know w- what else we can try to a certain degree. A lot of people have said to me it's the natural home for it at seven on a Saturday. It's really tough competition. We get that. But I think the show is really good. I think people will enjoy it. It's right for a pre-Watershed audience. Let's hopefully, if people can come to it and they can stay around, I imagine people will come for the first show, it's getting them to hang around and stay for the whole run. It might just open up more opportunities for us on that day. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, no one's going to be hurt apart from me as I get sacked. (laughs) Has it opened the door for more people bringing you entertainment? Many more producers are coming to you with ideas that perhaps they wouldn't have before. Well, I have certainly been because... You know, as I said earlier, we, we sort of work in the in the factual world more than entertainment. But I've been quite honest with the producers and I've said to them, look, we want to see how this plays. First, there's no point giving everybody false hope and getting lots of entertainment formats through the door if this doesn't work out. But yeah, God, no, we, we, we've, and we've had some really good ones come through. I think Ben's done so much on the channel recently, actually, that it really stands out. And it's a proper, it's a proper grown-up channel. And I think just that missing piece of Saturday... That could be the one extra ingredient for us that just breaks us through the next that next little echelon. Yeah. Have you been inundated with nostalgic uh, shows with with heritage brands? No, I haven't. Funny. Did anybody pitch me any nostalgic ones? No, but I see there, there, there's lots coming through. I mean, we're not the first to do this. You know, we're not the first to do this. I think it would look a bit weird if we started doing another one after Blind Date. I think the thing about Blind Date is, you know. It is a big brand, so hopefully people come to it. Hopefully enough people come to it for us to go, we could have a bit of a strategy here, maybe. And then it opens up, I would personally rather, having worked in the world of development before being a commissioner, commission new ideas for people that the audience haven't seen and that the producers and the channel can shape together. Because I think that's equally as exciting as bringing something like Blind Date back. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Blind Date launches on Channel 5 at 7pm on Saturday the 17th of June. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. That's a lot for this week's episode of Talking TV. My thanks to Neil, Tom and Sean. I'm Peter White and the producers are Chica Ayres and Matt Hill from We Think Audio. We'll see you on the other side.